Welcome to Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, we discuss Beto O'Rourke's potential run for president and more. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Politics Weekly. I am here uh, this week again with Bennett Martin 2020. He is here for a full episode. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Bennett. You're welcome. Now, you describe yourself, just just so everybody listening can understand, you describe yourself as uh, more of a, you, you describe yourself as a progressive liberal, correct? Yes, except for the issue of guns, which I am a right-leaning, I am a right-leaning libertarian. Interesting. So uh, everything else, I'm pretty left-wing on. All right. Uh, so are you ready to get into the news? I sure am. All right. So let's get to the first story. So we talked about the the Kasagi murders uh, last week. Um, Right now, Senator Ben Sass, Republican from Nebraska, has broken ties with his party uh, in a viral video. He has, um, he has uh, condemned the Saudi Arabian prince for the Khashoggi murders, um, uh, or the Khashoggi murders. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ben Sass breaking with his party on this issue? Um, ben Sass is kind of... Um well, I don't know how to put it. He's just pretty much he's. Ever since he first ran, he's kind of uh, he's kind of branded himself as I'm the. The odd man I'm out. The, huh? The odd man out. Yeah, he's kind of branded himself as like I'm the fancy one. I'm I'm above Donald Trump and all his tweets, and I'm above the. Uh, I'm above the red uh, the. The unhinged rhetoric. I am a soft-spoken man, but he voted against. Uh, he voted against ending the war in Yemen. Uh, so he. It's kind of weird how he would break ties with parties over Saudi Arabia, but he supports them massacring thousands of people in Yemen. Mm. Interesting. Um. Uh, so do you agree with Ben Sass uh, on this, wh- what he said about, you know, do you agree with him bashing uh, the Saudi Arabian prince for uh, the, the Kasagi murders or the Khashoggi murders? Well, of course, I, I support anybody who would condemn Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is an absolute disgrace, but his history just speaks louder than his words, his actions. Mm. So, is there anything else you ha- you have to say about that? About that, or should we move on? Um, pretty much, he's Ben Sass is pretty. You can't really trust him because he's just kind of he's pretty much all over the place. Oh so yeah, a few weeks, a few months ago, actually, he posted. He went on some news corporation, news agency. And he said that I'm thinking of every day I get up in the morning and I I regret joining the Republican Party. I can't believe how horrible they are. Yet when you look at his voting record, he votes with Donald Trump and the Republicans 78% of the time. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so you'd say don't trust him? 
Yeah, because it's pretty much all talk. It's it's kind of like all talk because he knows a lot of people don't agree with him. So he's. It seems like he's just trying. He's just bandwagoning uh, with all the people that are actually principled and are against Saudi Arabia. Interesting. So, um, do you think? Um, uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, do you think that this might hurt that you know all this talk? As you said, he and I think we talked about this on the show. He said every day he thinks about switching parties. Do you think that could hurt him when he chooses to run for re-election in two thousand twenty? Do you think he could face primary challenge and that that primary challenge challenger could attack him for not always voting with him or not only always voting with President Trump? Um, but yeah, I could probably I could probably see that because he does vote against Donald Trump twenty eight percent of the time, and I'm pretty sure if we have a Donald Trump loyalist going against him in twenty twenty, then we could have him saying um, because just face it, the Republican Party is not the thing it was ten years ago, let alone four years ago. Um, the Republican Party is completely the, the party of Donald Trump, so. Any any right wing Trump loyalist is going to get on stage and say, "Hey, this guy went against Donald Trump twenty eight percent of the time, though it was just twenty eight percent. He still went against Donald Trump when he should have gone for Trump one hundred percent of the time." And I do think that might cost him uh, the nomination in twenty twenty. All right. Anything else you want to say on that? Um, that's pretty much it. I don't, well, I guess unless you bring something else up, then I can probably comment on it, but I can't really think of anything else to say. All right. So why don't we move on? So in 2018, uh... John James, uh, a, an African-American, uh, 39-year-old Republican businessman uh, who is also uh, an Iraq war veteran, uh, ran for the U.S. Senate in Michigan and came only six points away from unseating incumbent uh, Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow, although he was unsuccessful ultimately in his attempts. Uh, if you remember, John James was endorsed by President Trump, um, and since Nikki Haley resigned as United States ambassador, uh, the question of who could replace her has really been up in the air. Um, if you'll remember, um, uh, there was some talk that Richard Grenell, the Germany ambassador, uh, who is the first openly gay, uh, who's the top-ranking openly gay Republican uh, was being considered. Apparently now Trump is considering John James, the candidate for Senate in Michigan, for the role of UN ambassador. This report has officially come out. What are your thoughts on this potentially happening? Well, number one, fought in Iraq. I don't... Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. The war in Iraq was... A war crime. Just look at the look at the standards we held the Nazis to in the 1940s. If we, I'm just gonna just throw, I'm just gonna put this out there right now. If we if we followed the same rules that the Nazis followed, and if we followed the same rules we set to the Nazis back in, during the Nuremberg trials, every single person in the George W. Bush administration would be dragged into the streets and hung. That's. Or no, they wouldn't be dragged in the streets. They'd be put on trial and they'd be sentenced to death if we held them to every accountable account that we held the Nazis in the night during the Nuremberg trials. But his foreign policy, but you know him being an Iraq war veteran, his foreign policy might be shaky. So I'm very anti-war. Um, now he was a veteran. He was a U.S. veteran. He didn't. He wasn't a part of the George W. Bush administration. Do you think that the veterans in Iraq deserve the blame for the Iraq war? Because some people will argue that um, they didn't know what they were being sent into um, because they were told by the government uh, what they were fighting for, and they didn't know what they—that's what they—they they know exactly what they were fighting for. Um, or they were told it was for, you know, it was to try and, you know, preserve the homeland or they thought they were protecting or, or, or they'll tell them different things. Um, but do you, but that, that's an argument some people will make. Do you think, so do you think that the, the that people that fight in Iraq are as much to blame as people that 
send uh, troops no, into Iraq? No, no of, cor- of course not. Of course not. Um, what I'm trying to say, well, what I'm, what I was trying to say is pretty much that he fought in Iraq, so that is kind of questionable for his foreign policy. I don't know. It, I do not know if that will if that'll make him because he's seen the horrors of war. Um, that doesn't not. Some people say when you go to war, you are more likely to understand that war is hell, and you're going to be more hesitant towards declaring war. Well, that's not always the case. John McCain, who went through some of the worst torture imaginable during Vietnam, he was one of the biggest war hawks in the Senate during the 2000s. Um, Ronald Reagan, he went through. He went. Ronald Reagan went through the horrors of World War II. And he was quick to invade Grenada and Lebanon and help out the, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Uh, George H.W. Bush, um, or George Herbert Walker Bush of 1989 to 1993, he fought in World War II and he was very quick to declare war on Iraq in 1990. And so I don't know if... Hopefully, he's one of the people. The most people, when they go to war, they're when when they go to war, they come home and then they're more hesitant because they know how bad war actually is. But I don't know if he's going to be that special exception of person that says, "I even though I've been through war, I don't care. I'm going to start more wars." Um, a big example right now is here in Southeast Texas, Dan Crenshaw, uh, who was in the news a few months ago. Um, Dan Crenshaw, who lost his eye to war um i've read his platform and he is for or no he's he supported he supported the iraq war he supported every war the united states has been in and he is open towards more military action in the middle east ah so So i don't know you're saying so so you believe that uh uh john james uh, so you're afraid that uh, because um, because of his experience, um, he might he might have a more pro-war platform. That is a possibility that I'm scared might be might be exist. So okay. yes, um, I don't. I I'm just flat out against any war unless we're attacked first. Um, now he he's going now his job if he is nominated would be to work with other countries at the UN cuz he's he's being nominated for UN ambassador um do you, do you still worry that he could be hawkish or sorry hawkish on certain policies um regarding let's say like for example the the Israeli versus Palestine conflict yes i am that's a big thing that <coughs> sorry that's a big thing that Nikki Haley had to deal with when she was ambassador to the UN was the conflict between Israel and Palestine do you think that his if he were put in those shoes and he had to deal with that he might not be so friendly towards one side potentially the Palestinians um I think he might, well, obviously, you know, he's going to be in the Trump administration, so he's going to have more pro-Israel sentiments. And my personal opinion is that we should just do a peace deal with the two nations, and the agreed border should be the 1967 borders, and we should just leave it at that. But I fear that if he is a, for example, if he's a very Christian conservative, um, he might have, he might be very hawkish towards uh, Palestine, and we might see more Gaza Strip, like what happened in Gaza back in 2014. We might see more of that, where even with situations like Iran, he might be a little more hawkish towards just bombing Iran, uh, because Iran has been kind of a knife in the back for the past few decades. Um, he might be, when it comes to negotiating deals with Iran, he might be saying, well, fuck it, we'll just, let's just bomb the motherfuckers instead of actually trying to sit down and talk it out. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say on this issue, or should we move on? Pretty much, I hope he does not become, I really hope, I don't think there's anybody that Donald Trump would pick 
that would be reasonable to do this job because I'm, I'm seeing his history. It's kind of it's kind of fearful that I don't think anybody would be good, but this guy in particular, I would not want to see as ambassador to the UN because he might be very hawkish with his stance towards other countries. All right. So uh, why don't we move on then? So uh, former, uh, soon to be former congressman. Beto O'Rourke uh, is now uh, considering uh, a 2020 run for the presidency. Um, Beto O'Rourke originally said that he was not con- going to run for the presidency in 2020, but now he has said he is reconsidering. What are your thoughts on a potential uh, Beto O'Rourke run for the presidency in 2020? Please, God, do not do it. Um, because I've looked up, okay, in 2000, okay, this year I voted for him. I'm 18, so I voted for him uh, back on the 6th. But because he's late, he's better than Cruz. But the problem with him running for president is that if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders run, that he might take the, not- that there's a possibility he might take the nomination or he might sweep the nomination out from under them. And he might give it to a more establishment Democrat like Cory Booker, or Kamala Harris, or Joe Biden, or any other. Do you think that Kamala Harris is an establishment Democrat? Um. Yeah, she kind of takes a lot of money from corporate. From she takes a lot of corporate PAC money. Um. She's not really too big on Medicare for all. She wasn't very vocal. She didn't really. She supported Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders in 2016. And so, pretty much, she just screams establishment, pretty much. Mm. Um, but well, anyway. Well, and Beto, or Rahm Emanuel has rejected Beto O'Rourke. He, uh, Rahm Emanuel is the mayor of Chicago right now, soon to be the former mayor. But he recently said he was asked about uh, the potential of uh, a Beto O'Rourke uh, candidacy for president. And his response was, and he apparently reputed this idea, saying, you Quote, you don't usually promote a loser. Uh, do you agree with what Emmanuel is trying to say? Why or why not? Well, yes, but no at the same time. Okay, yeah, it's not good to always promote somebody who loses. But at the same time, at the same time, you got to understand that not just, just because you lose a local election doesn't mean the whole country you might lose a federal election. Um, just because somebody loses the Senate or just because someone loses the House race does not mean that they – just because they weren't popular enough in their little district doesn't mean the whole country might uh, – they might be not they might not be popular enough for the whole country. So yes, but no with that answer at the same time. But pretty much I do not want Beto work to run for president in 2020. I do mm. not. I'd rather see Bernie Sanders, Mo, either Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren be our nominee in 2020, though I would much prefer Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren would be better. If not Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren would be a better alternative. Mm. Um, so, uh, is there anything else you want to say about that or should we move on? Well, let's move on. I've said all I could say. All right. Um, so a new uh, – so recently – and this article, mind you, came out from Breitbart, which is like just screams conservative. Um, yeah. And I was surprised to see they were actually talking about it. But uh, Trump's disapproval rating – has uh, grown to an all-time high. And they were talking about this in the article, as how his disapproval rating has jumped, which shocked me that they were talking about it. But according to a new Gallup poll, only 38% of Americans approve of uh, the performance Donald Trump is doing as president. And according to this poll, 60% of Americans currently disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing. What are That's your th- very reasonable. That's very reasonable. So what are your thoughts on this, and why do you think uh, this happened? 
Okay, well, number one, I want to start off that Gallup has had a history of being very accurate. Um, Gallup, I think Gallup predicted that Donald Trump was going to win the Electoral College, but they also predicted that Donald Trump, They no, they predicted Hillary Clinton was going to win the popular vote, but Donald Trump would win the Electoral College vote. Um, Gallup has also been right on a lot of different issues like same-sex marriage and marijuana legalization, uh, assault weapons bans. They've been right on a lot of issues. But anyway, um, I think a lot of it is because right now um, we just recent just recently GM announced that they are taking 15,000 workers are going to be losing their jobs. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people are looking at Donald Trump's rhetoric in 2016, saying that he was going to keep jobs in America. He was not going to outsourcing was not going to happen. And they're looking at all the outsourcing going on and all the jobs are being lost. And they're saying this guy was full of shit and now we're losing all these jobs. So he's a liar. And so we need so and so I can't trust him anymore. Um, some of that. A lot of that is, I'm pretty sure that was a big reason. A lot of people, a lot of people in the manufacturing field, just a lot of uh, honest Americans are looking at him and saying, look at all that's happened. This guy's a liar and he's a fraud. Um, healthcare, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are disappointed with his, because with his healthcare position, because Obamacare is very popular um, the only the only mandate of Obamacare that is pop, that is unpopular is the is the mandatory is the where the mandate. You to get, yes, I can remember the word, but um, everything else is actually pretty popular. So now, unlike a lot of right wing pundits like Gavin McInnes, for example, who went on Joe Rogan's show back in 2017 and said. The American people are sick of Obamacare. That's what he told Joe Rogan, which if you look at the polling data, um, the American people are actually very happy with Obamacare. So he's got, but anyway, he's Gavin McInnes. He kind of talks out of his ass a lot, but I digress. Um, I think those two issues are probably some of the biggest uh, contributors. Um, He also in 2016 said that he was not going to cut Medicare and Medicaid for people, uh, for senior citizens and poor people on Medicaid, which he has actually taken money out of Medicare and Medicaid, so he lied about that. Um, but those are probably three, those are probably three issues I can think of right now that a lot of people are probably pretty pissed off about. Alright, anything else you'd like to say uh, on the issue? Oh, oh no, I forgot, I was going to ask you one question. So, um, do you believe that this could hold for the, you know, this could hold, it could stay around this number and that that could seep into the 2020 election, potentially, uh, potentially benefiting any Democrat that's nominated against him? Possibly. Yes. Um, I really hope it stays this low. Actually, I hope it gets lower because if it, if his approval rating is low in 2020, and we have Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders as uh, the Democratic candidates. They could easily take. They could easily win the election because not only are their ideas very popular, especially Bernie Sanders, who is the most popular politician in the country. Um, if Bernie Sanders, if no, if Donald Trump's approving, approval rating was as low as it is now, like let's just say it doesn't drop, it's just, it stays the way it is. Bernie Sanders could easily become president in twenty twenty. What if it's not Bernie Sanders? What if it's Hillary Clinton? What if Hillary Clinton's a nominee again, but Trump's approval ratings are still this low? Or what if it's another... There's no way in hell. There's no way in hell Hillary Clinton is going to become president. What if... Even her most loyal support... Um, hold on. There, even her most loyal supporters are probably going to say, we tried you four years ago. No, not going to happen. Um, I do not think... Um, I don't, okay, a lot of people in 2016 thought Donald Trump becoming president was never going to happen. Um, I think they were just being naive, but it, it was a possibility. But this is just a whole different ballpark. I don't think she could possibly. I don't think she could possibly 
get to the uh, get to the primaries. Interesting. Um, now, um, what now? If she did win the nomination and she was going up against Donald Trump, if Trump's Hell, approval rating was happens. at, let's say, a week before the election, his approval rating was at twelve percent, just hypothetically, do you think Hillary okay. Clinton could beat Donald Trump in that scenario? Um, possibly, possibly, because Hillary Clinton is very just like too. Um, I think a, a lot of people are probably not going to vote for her uh, because she's very even right now. She even before twenty sixteen, she was one of the most disliked politicians in America, and a lot of people, I'm pretty sure, in twenty sixteen thought she would be better than Donald Trump. So. Even though they thought she was horrible, they probably thought she'd be better than Trump. <clears throat> but I do not think – I don't honestly know. I think Hillary Clinton might win if his approval rating's at 12 percent, but at the same time, she's Hillary Clinton, he's Donald Trump, so I really don't know. All right. Anything else you want to say or should we move on? Let's move on. <clears throat> so right now, since – uh, since the uh, elections, the midterm elections have ended, uh, most people have been talking about potential Democrats that could run in 2020. But one thing people haven't been talking about very much is the potential for Republicans that might try to challenge Trump in 2020. This week, John Kasich, uh, the soon-to-be former governor of Ohio, um, who uh, will be out of office uh, in uh, January, um, um, uh, ha- did say he is seriously considering uh, a run for the White House, another run for the White House in 2020. Kasich has been a staunch critic of President Tr- Donald Trump and st- uh, well known to be a more moderate Republican. Uh, do you think John Kasich will run and... Uh, what what are your thoughts if he does run? Okay, if Don, if John Kasich runs for Republican nomination, he is going to get his ass handed to him on a big golden platter. So, I don't. I think he he's probably. I think he might. I don't know. Uh, this is a this is a thing I don't know. This is where okay. This is a issue where I'm legitimately going to tell you I don't know. What he's thinking, I don't, he might, either he's not a very smart man, because the Republican Party is not what it was in 2012, Um, it's not what it was in 2014, so this is not the party of people like John Kasich, this is the party of Donald Trump, a more radicalized right-wing party than it was four or six years ago, so if he does, if he thinks, if for any reason he's stupid enough to think that he might win the primaries, then he's he's not gonna win. He's just not. Because he might he might get one percent of the vote. Um, I think because he's Donald Trump has become the face of the new Republican Party. It it's pretty much the Republican Party is pretty much the Trump Party now. Just because how if you're not pro Trump, you're pretty much gonna get if you're you cannot be a Republican in the year 2018 and be anti-Donald Trump if you want to win an election, pretty much. Now, a poll in the summer release of the summer of 2017 did show uh, Kasich leading Trump in New Hampshire if it, they were to go up against each other in a Republican primary. Do you still think that that's not – do you think that could hold and maybe Kasich could have some chance or do you think that that's never going to solidify? That's never going to solidify. Um, that's just New Hampshire. Um, New Hampshire has been kind of crazy. They've always voted for kind of the out. They have been kind of voting for the outcast in the primaries. Um, so I think that even if he wins New Hampshire, he's still not going to win the primary. Interesting. All right. So um, why don't we uh, – is there anything else you want to say about this or should we continue on? Let's go on. Okay, so Trump reached a new 
NAFTA deal uh, with Mexico, or no, he uh, reached a new deal with uh, Mexico. This was uh, involving uh, Mex- uh, Mexican immigrants. Um, let me look up the uh, with. Me- let me just look up the uh, the the whole deal real quick. Give me a second. Um. Uh, or no, actually, oh, sorry, wrong, wrong, sorry. But anyway, so Trump, this is oh, this is actually the NAFTA deal. So yeah, so Trump signed a new trade deal with Mexico, uh, and uh, Canada. There were bitter negotiations. Some people are calling this uh, a win for President Trump. What are your thoughts on this new NAFTA deal? Is it a win for Trump or no? Um. Now. Okay, if you were to look at if you were to look at it from just a renegotiating NAFTA, this might his you know his supporters. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Trump supporters are not the most educated people. Um, I grew I live around them. They're all over the place here, and I talk to them a lot, and they're just not very educated. So when they look at this new NAFTA deal, they're going to think, "Oh, this is fantastic! This is so great!" Um, Trump, MAGA, make America great again. What they don't tell you is, if you look at the merit of it, you're probably you realize that it's pretty much just a mediocre, watered down version of NAFTA that is still going to outsource jobs, and it's I can't remember what it was that could he got rid of one regu he got rid of one standard, but TVP? the rest of the thing is pretty much the same thing. Uh, now. I saw an uh, an article from MSNBC this morning. Mind you, MSNBC not the biggest fans of President Trump uh, by far. Um, but um, what they were saying was they 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 were saying that they called it in the headline. They called it a win for President Trump. Why would such? Why, in your opinion, would a such a liberal news source uh, give? Credit to Donald Trump. Well, they gave they also gave credit to Donald Trump in April of 2017 and April of this year, whenever he bombed Syria. But I wouldn't describe them as a liberal or a progressive news source. Like as a, I would describe them as progressive because they're not. They're pretty much just a, they're pretty much just an establishment corporate news site. But this is a win for corporate for corporations, and since they're pretty much since MSNBC is a pretty much a corporate bot organization, it's anything that's going to benefit corporations, they're going to write good articles about pretty much. Okay. Anything else you want to say on this issue or should we move on? That's really it. They're just corporate. They're corporatists. And if Donald Trump does something pro corporate and they're going to support it. And that's really all I can say. All right. So, um, Brexit, uh, deal, uh, so going out of America, going across, uh, the world to Europe, uh, Bre- the Brexit deal is currently being, uh, negotiated. Apparently, uh, a deal, uh, has been agreed to that Theresa May, the Prime Minister of the UK, has negotiated, um, and she, apparently it's been approved by the leader of the European Union. However, many Brexit supporters, many populist Brexit supporters, uh, including Boris Johnson, um, the former mayor of London, uh, and the former foreign uh, secretary, uh, are bashing this uh, new deal. Uh, What are your thoughts on uh, the new Brexit deal? Have you heard any word from Nigel Farage? Uh, No, I have not. Okay, because that guy, he was the biggest, um, he was the biggest cheerleader for Brexit. So, Boris Johnson was pretty, was a big supporter, but um, I'm sure, he, I'm pretty sure it's not very favorable towards them if Boris Johnson is supporting it. Obviously, if Nigel Farage comes out and um, says it's terrible, then it's probably not what they were hoping for. It's probably maybe a watered-down trade agreement. With some um, anonymous um, autonomy, 
but I'm sure if Johnson is going against it, then I'm pretty sure it's not what they wanted. So May might not be living up to a promise that she made when she got elected. Um, do you hold any personal opinions on the Brexit deal, or is that just, or is that the type of thing where you know you're not you're not a Europe you're not a a, a citizen of England, so you don't care, or do you have opinions on it? Um, I'm honestly gonna be I'm gonna be honest. If I was a European citizen, I'd probably vote no. No, I, no, I'm sorry. I'll probably vote to leave uh, because the European Union has been a little bit dick. They've kind of been a dictatorship over the British government, and they've kind of forced them to do a lot of stuff that maybe most of the citizens don't want to do. Either it's how, either it's accepting so many migrants, or um, just for or all the regulations they put on the economy. So I don't. So personally, if I was a citizen of the UK, I would vote to leave because. In all honesty, the European Union has been a little bit um, over-controlling of the British people. Interesting. All right. Anything else you have to say on that, or should we move on? Let's go on. All right. So, Representative Hakeem Jeffries has been elected the new chair of the Democratic House Caucus. Uh, Formerly, Joe Crowley... Uh, the another congressman, Democratic congressman from New York, uh, served as the chair of the Democratic House Congress, but he was defeated in uh, in a primary this year by Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a political newcomer. Um, Hakeem Jeffries has now been elected the new uh, Democratic House uh, chair. Um, uh, he is known to, or he has branded himself as more of a progressive. Um, he narrowly defeated uh, California Congressman uh, Barbara Lee for the position. Uh, what are your thoughts on Hakeem Jeffries being elected Democratic House Chair? It's absolutely terrible. Um, Barbara Lee would have been a much better alternative. I would actually like to see Barbara Lee become Speaker of the House. But he, Hawking Jeffries, 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 if you look at his voting, if you look at some of his record, um, I was reading an article by Kyle Polinsky, a secular talk. He did a video quoting, uh, showing a lot of the things he said in the past. Um, he said, Bernie, he said Medicare for all was, oh yeah, in 2016, he said the idea of a Medicare for all healthcare system is stupid and would be too it would cost the american people too much money though if you actually look at the merit um medicare for all would actually cost the american people less money than the premiums we're paying now um i'll go into that later but if you want to talk about that later but um he said um, universal college was unaffordable it's not it would only cost us 70 billion that's more than the okay on well, the extras the amount the military budget um, the more the extra spending on the military that Donald Trump did this year could easily have done free college for one could have, we could have easily done free college this year um, we could it, it is affordable and though Bernie Sanders actually said that, uh, he could easily pay for free college with a Wall Street transaction tax. Um, he also said that Obama that Obamacare was the ideal health care plan. It's it's better than we had before, but it's not the ideal health care plan. So honestly, I think this he's a basic Wall Street or no corporate Democrat. So no, I am actually very disappointed that he lost or that he won. So um, now you. Um you, you you wanted to talk a little bit about what he said about the premiums? Or, yeah, he said, okay, so here's how, this is how I break it down. Um, a Mercator, the Mercator um, study, which Mercator is pretty much a right-wing think tank, um, if the Mercator study found that it would cost the American people $38 trillion, I think it was, yeah, $38 trillion a year, 
Um, it's how much Medicare for all will cost the American people. No, thirty-eight trillion over a ten-year time span. So, a lot of people look at that and they're like, "Oh my God, that's that's too much money." Um, a lot of libertarian profiles, like Change Libertarian, Refounding Father, uh, Liberty or Death. A lot I think of we had Refounding Father on the show before. Oh God, um, yeah. He's not very consistent with his ideology. I'm just going to call him out right now. Um, Refounding Father, if you ever listen to this podcast, this is Bennett Martin reaching out to you. You are not a real libertarian. How can you be for tiny government if you are against abortion? How can you be for small government if you are praising Jair Bolsonaro for banning communism? Banning people's thing. Okay. I think his argument about abortion is that it is the non-aggression principle, and that's a violation of the non-aggression principle. Well, one more thing. Thought crime. Okay, this is about communism, but thought crime is not libertarian. Sorry, but you're not consistent with your views. Anyways, non-aggression principle kind of applies. I've talked to a lot of uh, libertarians, and it kind they they use it in the government sense. But his, I've, okay, I've offered him to I've offered him to debate me on abortion, but he's always declined. Or no, he hasn't really declined. He's always kind of, he's always said I'm not available or I'm not ready at this time. But I'm I don't know. I'm I'm kind of suspicious. It seems like he doesn't want to do it. Um, there's actually a local conservative congressman here in Texas named Chad O. Jackson. He's very anti-abortion. Uh, I've offered him to debate me, and he's declined. So I don't know because what 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 are they, some of the uh, things you disagree on? With Chadwick Jackson or Refounding Father? With Refounding Father. Um, pretty much abortion. Um, he's against it. Um, he praised Jair Bolsonaro for banning um, communism, which is a thought crime. Um, I'd expect, of all things, libertarians would be against thought crimes, though communism it does not coincide with libertarianism. Thought crime is not libertarian. Um, taxation is theft. Um, I do not agree with that at all. Um, I pay taxes, and so though I, a lot of anarcho-capitalists would make fun of me for saying this, but this is the truth. If you want to... Um, the, Paying taxes are kind of this pay, the the price we pay for living in a coherent, civilized society. Because if you want to go back to true anarcho-capitalism, look at the 1880s, the Gilded Age. Back then, we had anarcho-capitalism pretty much. Though we had some form of government, we had economic. The government just did completely had hands off on the on the economy. Okay. So if you want to look at what anarcho-capitalism would be like, look at the Gilded Age. Okay, much. maybe maybe for the thirtieth episode, I could try and get him on to debate you. That would be nice. Okay, because I know him pretty well, so I could try and talk to him. Okay, but anyways, let's not. We kind of got off topic. So you were talking about the Medicare for all premiums and the price. Okay, but anyway, a lot of conservative and libertarian. Um, accounts on Instagram posted that study that Medicare for all would cost us 38 trillion over the next 10 years. What they do not consider is how much our current health healthcare system costs us right now. Between now and 2028, if we kept our our um, for-profit health insurance system, it would cost us 40 trillion over the next few years. So if you want, it would save the American people two trillion over the next two years, because not all because insurance profit is eliminated from the equation, and also healthcare is probably is very over. And that's just oh, I'm sorry. That okay? If you that study found how much health Medicare for all would cost if we kept the current price of healthcare. Um, if you look at the actual studies, hospitals overcharge their health care just for the sake of profit and for, for their insurance profit. So if hospitals started paying how much health care is actually worth market-wise, then it would probably be lower than $38 trillion. Mm. So is there anything else you want to say on either Medicare for All or 
Hakeem Jeffries getting this uh, position, or should we move on? Um, I think I said everything there is to say, but let's move on. All right, so Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, Republican from Mississippi, is now the projected winner of the Mississippi special election. This Tuesday, a runoff was held. Uh, This was the final Senate race to be determined, and it has been determined that she is the winner out of that race. She will serve as senator. Again, Thad Cochran was the incumbent senator. He was a Republican. Um, She was appointed to replace him after he resigned due to health concerns. Um, She was appointed by uh, Republican Governor Phil Bryant. Uh, She will now serve. She has won by about six points. Uh, She is a hold for the Republicans. Uh, She will serve uh, in this seat for at least the next two years. Uh, In two years, she will have the option to run for a full six-year term. Um, so, uh, and she defeats Mike, uh, former, uh, agriculture secretary and former Mississippi congressman, uh, Mike Espy, who is hoping to be the first African American elected to the U.S. Senate. Uh, this makes, uh, Cindy Hyde Smith the, uh, the first, uh, woman to ever win a congressional, uh, election in Mississippi history. This also solidifies the Republicans' 53 to 47 majority in the Senate, which means that at the very end of the day, Republicans will have a net gain of two seats. Prior to this election, they had 51 seats. Come January, they'll have 53 seats in the Senate. Um, So, what are your thoughts on uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith winning this election and why didn't what went wrong for Mike Espy? Okay, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't know anything about that. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I really don't. I've really, I have not really been studying Mississippi recently. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. Uh. Do you think next year, because the popular Democratic Attorney General is thinking about running? Do you think he'll have a chance of winning next year in Mississippi? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. It's Mississippi. It's it's very, very Christian, very conservative. So I don't know. Probably not. But at the same time, I'm really not going to make a prediction because if you look at the South, is the South is becoming um, – it's still very conservative, but slowly but surely it's, the South is starting to become more liberal, mostly in the cities. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you this. I know you didn't really study a lot about the Senate race, but Mississippi is considered to be a pretty Republican um, – State. I mean, if you look, there was another Senate race this year where incumbent Roger Wicker was running against uh, House uh, Mississippi House Minority Leader David uh, Bahara or Beria, David Beria, and he defeated him by a landslide. He defeated him by over twenty points. That race wasn't even competitive. If you look at this race, Cindy Hyde Smith only won this election over the Democrat Mike Espy by. Uh, six points. So why was the margin so slim? Uh, well, it is a runoff. It is a runoff election. So I'm pretty sure it might have been lower turnout. Maybe lower turnout was probably to blame. Mm. Interesting. Well, if you look at the data, runoff elections, nobody really—they're very unexpected. So people don't really have time to plan for them. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people either didn't know about it or they just didn't have time to vote. Hmm. Interesting. Is there anything else you want to say about this, or should we move on? Let's move on, because I really don't know anything about this. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, we can move on. So, Michael Cohen uh, pleaded guilty to misleading Congress on the Russia investigation. Many people in the Trump administration are now calling Cohen a rat. What are your thoughts? Um... Well, he's okay. If he did something illegal, then well, he's did something illegal, and he should be in jail. Um, 
pretty much. Okay, yeah, pretty much. What was okay? What exactly was the conviction again? He misled Congress because he said apparently he said some inf- when he testified in front of Congress, he said some information about the Russia investigation, which apparently was not true. So he lied under oath. Well, yeah, of course, that's a federal crime. He lied under oath, then, yeah, he's... He belongs in jail. If he was found guilty of lying under oath, then, yeah, he committed a crime and he should be in jail. Uh, do you think this is going to affect President Trump? Do you think he they're coming for him next? Or what do you think? I don't know, honestly. I don't... Okay, uh, if the if the conservatives are right... And Robert Mueller is just a liberal, uh, he is a liberal witch hunter, then this will energize his base. Which he's, which Robert Mueller is most likely not, but because that's kind of a silly idea. But honestly, going after Trump would energize his base. Um, we could see massive, if Donald Trump is indicted and forced to testify and is possibly um, impeachment is put on the table, then we could see massive turnout from his base in 2020. So I, this would not be good for if the Democrats want to actually take back power, then this is not something they should do. They should spend time actually attacking Donald Trump on real policy issues instead of silly, dumb shit like this. Uh, okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the issue? Um, leave Trump alone and just let him hang himself. Uh, Let him what? Okay. Let him take down himself. Oh, uh, just like, you mean like, you know, just... Let him, let him keep saying dumb shit. Let him keep, uh, doing terrible let him keep showing america how much of an idiot he really is okay and how he's a liar and let him just destroy himself okay i want to make sure i heard you right okay um hey, how much more time do we have left because we have um one two four more stories i'll try and make it quick okay so right. uh lindsey graham senator lindsey graham republican from south carolina is now saying he will flip his vote on Saudi Arabia. Originally, he said he would vote in favor of the arms deal, but he says he's so disgusted by President Trump's handling of it that he will now flip his vote. What are your thoughts on this? Bandwagoning, pretty much. Um, he knows. I'm pretty sure he knows that the majority opinion is that Saudi Arabia is a horrible place and they're terrible people and that they're despotic dictators. It's a despotic dictatorship and uh i think he pretty much understands that his position that in his heart he's probably he wants to give them weapons because he's a neocon and he would rather side with them over anyone else but it's pretty it seems like bandwagoning which is pretty much a sass did which we were talking about earlier in the show but what i can what i'm what from the story, it seems like bandwagoning. Interesting. Yes. Uh, all right. So, um, uh, anything else you want to say on that, or should we move on? Um, pretty much just that he seems like a bandwagoner and that he's only doing this because he knows his opinions are unpopular. Okay. Um, so, let's move on. So, right now... Uh, John Cornyn, uh, Senator John Cornyn, Republican from your state, Texas, serves as the Senate Majority Whip. But come January, he no longer will hold that position. The Republicans voted uh, this week to make Senator John Thune, Senator from uh, Republican from South Dakota, the next Senate Majority Whip. John Thune currently serves as a Republican Senate chair. Uh, uh, That position come January will now be held by Senator John Barrasso, Republican from Wyoming. What are your thoughts on Thune replacing Cornyn in this position? Uh, 
Um, okay, well, it kind of see. I don't know, maybe John Cornyn is kind of old. Well, no, he's, I think he's, I don't, I actually don't know how old he is, but, uh, John Cornyn, he, this, it seems like, this seems like something you would do if you are planning on stepping down or if you are retiring from the Senate. So, I don't know, this might, it kind of sounds like this might be, this might be foreshadowing that John Cornyn may not run in 2020 and that maybe he thinks that he sees how close the race was between Beto and Cruz, and he's scared that if a progressive Democrat is put against him, he might lose. Because whenever a lot of the city, a lot of millennials and the city people here in Houston and Dallas and Austin and San Antonio and other cities around Texas will come out to vote, he might lose, and he might, or he might just be retiring for old age or other reasons. Uh, currently... Um, John Cornyn is 66 years old. Okay, so he's actually pretty young compared to other people in the Senate. All right. Compared to people like Chuck, Chuck Crassley, who is... 81, I believe. Like 80? I believe he's 81. Yeah, like, yeah, compared to other senators, he's pretty young, but I don't know. Maybe he's retiring because he... he maybe he's retiring because he thinks... If a progressive Democrat is put against him in 2020, he might lose. And he doesn't want to be the Republican that lost. He does not want to be remembered as the first Republican to lose the Senate, the Texas Senate, in 40 years. Ah. I don't think it's 40 years. I think it's 20 years because Lloyd Benson was the last Democrat. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, Yeah, Damn, I thought it was like the 70s or something. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, White yeah. Benson was the last Democrat to hold office after... He, or no, he wasn't the last to hold office because what happened was he be, he resigned to become Secretary of the Treasury in 1993. I think there was a Democratic House member who was appointed by Ann Richards to his position, uh, but he ended up uh, losing to a Republican, and ever since then, uh, no Democrat has held office as Senator in the state of Texas. Okay, well, yeah, sorry, I got my history a little bit off. But anyway, he probably would not, if he might, this is just a theory right now, but he might be scared that he's going to lose to a progressive Democrat, and he might, he does not want to be known as the senator, the first Republican senator to lose to the state of Texas in 20 years. Interesting. Anything else you want to say on that, or should we move on? Let's move on. Okay. So, um, Nancy Pelosi, uh, when it, she has to go through two, uh, processes, uh, to be elected speaker. She needs 218 votes during both processes to be the next speaker of the house. She just passed one of the two speaker votes. So what are your thoughts on her, uh, uh, passing that speaker vote, and do you think she's going? To, she's on her way to becoming speaker again for the first time since two thousand eleven. Unfortunately, yes, um, I could see her becoming speaker. Um, though I don't want to see her as speaker, I'd rather see Barbara Lee as speaker. Unfortunately, we could probably see her as Speaker Pelosi. Um, we could see her as Speaker of the House again. Uh, anything else you want to say on that, or? Um, I really am, though she is a lot, and I mean a lot better than Paul Ryan, because Paul Ryan is trash, that's all I can really describe him as, um, though he's, though she is way better than Paul Ryan, she is still pretty terrible. Um, it looks like the live is about to end, can I restart this after it ends, just to get one more story in? Um, I think we can make it quick. What is it? Um, okay, so the next story, uh, so Senator Tim Scott, Republican from South uh, Carolina and Republican Senator, uh, Jeff Flake from Arizona sinking the nomination of judicial pick Thomas Farr. I do not know anything about that. Okay, well, here, I'm going to explain it to you. This might end in like 20 seconds, so I'll just restart it and then I'll explain it to you. Okay. All right. Bye.
right? All right, we're back. So uh, let's talk about the final story. So uh, Thomas Farr, he's from North Carolina. He's uh, controversial. Uh, he's a judicial pick. He's controversial um, because of his uh, stance on uh, uh, gerry- uh, on gerrymandering, or not gerrymandering, on uh, alleged voter suppression. Um Democrats have accused him of that. Jeff Flake said he was not going to vote for him. Every other Republican, it was assumed every other Republican uh, would vote in favor of him. Uh, But recently, South Carolina Senator uh, Tim Scott has announced he will not vote for him. Uh, He said the reason why he will not vote for him is because of that. Tim Scott currently is the only African-American Republican member of the United States Senate. Uh, what are you, and, and currently he is the only uh, uh, African-American senator from the South currently to serve in the U.S. Senate. Um, Tim Scott typically not one to break on his own party. Why do you think he did it? Um, well, it kind of seems... Okay, so wait. Let me correct this. He does, he uh, he does not want the only African, the only black person in the Republican Senate to leave. No. Here's what happened. So the Tim Scott, who is the only African American Republican senator currently, uh, voted against Thomas Farr, who was a judicial pick that Trump had, um, uh, be, uh, that Trump had put up um, because. Um, uh, because uh, and uh, the reason why is because of his uh, controversial past surrounding uh, uh, um, surrounding alleged voter suppression. Um, so um, every Democrat had said they were going to vote against it. They were going to try and get him confirmed by the next uh, by by the before the time that the one hundred sixteenth Congress. Um, uh, happened, but uh, it, it's looking like that will not happen anymore. Uh, because uh, right now, uh, Tim Scott saying no, plus all the Democrats saying no, plus Jeff Flake, Republican from Arizona, saying no, essentially means Republicans don't have the votes to confirm him right now. Now they might have the votes to confirm him come January when there are fifty-three senators, but right now they don't. So um. What are your thoughts? So, uh, what, but Tim Scott doesn't typically break with his own party. So, why do you think he did it? Um, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I've not. I haven't really done a lot of research into this topic. So, I think. Okay, what? I don't really know much about these people because this is um, this is just one topic I've never really found interesting, but. I honestly don't know, to be honest with you. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to say on this, or? Um, this isn't. I will try to do more research into this issue uh, to see if I can find out more about it to find a better conclusive opinion on this reasoning. But for now, I am, um, I am unable to do so. All right. Well, then I think that about wraps up the show. Thank you again for joining me. Do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media before you leave? Um, I can be found on Instagram at BennettMartin2020, and I can be found on Snapchat at BMartin8202. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye.